the gift of the Holy Spirit continued. We have started, we have been on this journey with Holy Spirit talking about Him for a number of weeks. And this morning we carry on as Clive did so well last week to start us off on the gifts. He laid a wonderful foundation. He then shared about um, some of these revelatory gifts, word of knowledge, word of wisdom, and discerning of spirits. And, and so this morning I want to carry on, but I also want to kind of just do what he did, lay a little bit more of a foundation as we build brick upon brick stone upon stone, a line upon line, and help us to appreciate the gifts. Amen? You all together? You all awake? Great. I'm not going to ask you to say money. Say something like Jesus. <laughs> all right, that's great. Let's start off again, and we're going to be browsing through um, various verses this morning just to can help us understand the beauty of the gift. So start with me. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, a beautiful portion, um, an incredible book or letter that Paul wrote to the church in Corinth. They had all sorts of issues that they were facing, wonderful people of God, but got it all mixed up a little bit with some of the idolatry of the town, some of the practices of the people around them. And so into that midst, he comes and he gives them clear guidance on various things. And we're going to start with just reading two things as we lay a little bit of a foundation even more. It says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1, it says now. Say with me now. Say it again, now. This is it now. It's not tomorrow. It's not yesterday. It's now. Uh-huh. Now concerning spiritual gifts. Brothers, and we're going to include the sisters, so smile. Sisters, you're included. Uh-huh. I do not want you to be uninformed. He says very clear. Guys, about spiritual gifts, don't be ignorant. Don't just, uh, I don't know. Don't be ignorant. There are people that, that do believe that some of these gifts have come to an end. I just want to say to you, the New Testament is full of it, that it hasn't come to an end. It's still real. And then Paul says to us very clear, don't be uninformed. And so as an eldership, we feel an obligation to preach to you the whole counsel of God, not just one aspect of it. We cannot just talk about, for instance, salvation, which is helpful, which is necessary, which is very important. We're going to talk about the whole counsel of God. And so when it comes to spiritual gifts, there is a tendency in the church of Jesus, and not any part is, is admonished or criticized or condemned as we talk about this, but we just have this tendency to be in or uninformed or ignorant about spiritual gifts. Because sometimes like, oh, it's a bit strange stuff, so we just leave it there. No, as an eldership, we want to journey with you, talk you through it, help one another about these wonderful gifts that are there. It says, and this is why we do this. The why of what we're talking about is in verse 7. Because yeah, Paul, again, before he goes into the detail of it, he says to each is given. Last week, Clive touched on this thing that each of us have been given. It says that each of is given the manifestation of the Spirit that doesn't stop there. For, for the common good. For the common good. In other words, for everyone's good. It is there if, unless we ignore it. The gifts, everybody will not profit from it, isn't it? We'll just, we'll have it, and God has given it to us 
to do something which we'll find out just now. But if we don't experience and, and dig deep into it, it's going to be something that will always be a gift but never open up. It's wrapped up and it's stashed away. Imagine that at, at Christmas time for those of you that do this. Uh, you know, all the gifts are there and the next year the same gifts are still there. Uh, un, unopened. <laughs> How many of you have ever seen that? <laughs> never. Uh-huh. You ever been to a Christmas tree that's full of gifts and then a week later it's like, ah, oh, I will probably open it sometime. Maybe halfway during January. I don't know about it now. Really don't care. We do that with the gifts. Let's just leave them there. Come on. And so this is why Paul is saying, guys, I don't want you to be uninformed. I want you to see that these gifts are there for the common good. Now, I found this beautiful word in the Greek. How many of you know the beautiful words in Greek? Yeah, my experience with Greek people is that they have a lot of beautiful words that they say. I've never spoken to a Greek person in him talking to me or she talking to me in Greek. But I just have studied some of the Greek words of the New Testament. And this is one of those. The word... The Greek word for here yeah, for common good, for the benefit of others, is the Greek word sumferou. Sumferou. Sumferou, which comes from the base word sumpheno, which is where we get our word symphony from. So in other words, Paul is saying that when you operate in the gifts, when the gifts are in operation in your life, not just in your gathering, there's a beautiful harmony that comes. That profits everyone. And so it's kind of like we have symphony amongst us when the gifts of God is in operation. Isn't it? Beautiful, hey? The Greek word symphero. And so then the next thing I want us to, again, as we talk about the foundation and why is in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 12, it says the following. So with yourselves, we're going to be reading a lot from 1 Corinthians 14, but just, yeah, I want you to focus on this one verse. In verse 12, it says, So with yourselves, since you are eager for manifestation of the Spirit, strive to excel in building up the church. He's talking about the gifts. The context is the gifts. So he's saying, guys, as you strive to, to see more of the manifestation of God's Spirit through the gifts, this is what it ought to produce, to excel in building up the church. So the church and the building and the growth of the church, not the physical one, but the spiritual one, is really dependent upon the spiritual gifts and operation as we reach out to one another. Come on. So you are directly, now you're going to look at yourself, and then once you've dealt with yourself, you're going to look at your neighbor. Say, buddy, you're not exempted from this. Because you are involved in building the church, building up, helping its growth. Because in verse 26, it says again, What then, brothers? When you come together, I'm going to need some more water, by the way. It's a bit dry up here. We haven't had rain yet. So, <laughs> Sabine, thanks. Whoop, I'm taking your water. Is it um, cold? It's not cold. It's fine. Mm. I think it'll be fine. I'll, I'll manage. Um, it says, when you come together, are you together? Uh, you're not alone. Did you notice that? There are people here. They may look strange. They may have things on their faces. It's on pimples. 
It's a mask. But we're together. Uh huh. It says, when you come together, each one has a hymn. Please, if you have a hymn, just stand. Each has a lesson, something to teach. If you have, just stand. Each has a revelation. Nobody's standing. So what's happening here? What's happening? Each has a tongue. I'm not talking about a physical tongue because all of you would have stood then. I'm talking about a different kind of tongue, which we'll talk about just now. It says an interpretation for their tongue. Let it all be done for building up. So whenever we gather together, you are part the body built. Do you understand that? But if we are uninformed and ignorant of the gifts, that's not going to happen. If we despise the gifts and ignore them and reject them, ain't going to happen. We're going to be dependent upon one maestro to come and do it for us. That's what we've done in the life of the church. We've been dependent upon the side of the pulpit to make that side of the pulpit become strong. And so the body is desperate for this guy or this lady to do it as much as possible every Sunday. Because the body needs to be built and needs to grow. But the Bible teaches us. Something different, that you're involved in it too. <laughs> you're not smiling anymore, or you're hiding it now behind that mask. So we have just done that. We say, okay, there's one gift. Oh, it's a lovely gift. Oh, when Kilton comes to preach, oh, we feel so built up. Praise the Lord for Kilton. Way to go, thanks, Kilton. But the rest of you, all of you, are involved in this building process. So you're going to have to get your hands dirty. In a good sense. All right? And be involved in the building process. Because God, through Scripture, clearly instructs us that when Holy Spirit comes, because we all want Holy Spirit. He's our guide. He's our comforter. He's our tutor. He shows us the way. But He also empowers us to help this building process. Yeah, there's no many amens here, unless I just didn't hear them. Thank you very much. But this is a moment where you're going to say, God, I'm involved in the body because I want to care for the body. Not just my body, but their bodies. Us as a body. We want to look out for one another. So that's a little bit about the why. Guys, we need to understand that there's a purpose in this. And So go with me as we continue just to lay a bit of foundation. It's so important because I think my background is I was taught about the gifts of the Spirit more about the detail of the Spirit, more of the gifts than the purpose of it and the heart behind it. And I think often what we do is we become ignorant of the gift itself because we know perhaps what it can do, but we don't really know why. And we kind of like, we become blasé or oblivious of the gifts because we don't fully understand the why. And, and I wanted to help us this morning just to grab hold of the why. And then we'll take, look, take a look at two particular gifts this morning. So Romans chapter 1. Paul is talking to the church and he's longing to go to Rome. And he says to them various things. I'd love to come to you. And you can read about that from verse, verses 8 in chapter 1. He says, I, I'm, I'm, I, I, without ceasing, I make mention of you, verse 9, always in my prayers, asking that somehow by God's will, I may now at last succeed in coming to you. He's so desperate to come and see the believers in Rome. Why 
does he say that? Why? He says in verse 11, chapter 1 of Romans, he says, For I long to see you, that I may impart to you some spiritual gift, so that you will look at me and think, Wow, he's a gifted man. Somebody say yes or amen or there's something added that shouldn't be added. All right. You should say, no, that wasn't right. They say, where did you get that from? That Bible is not right which you're reading from. I didn't read it from the Bible. Just trying to get your attention, which I'm battling to at the moment. Because some of you, it's still early because you're used to going, coming here at quarter to ten only. And, and, or not quarter past ten. And so it's not really, no, no, just forget about that. The point is, he's not saying that. He says, I'm longing to come to you to impart to you a spiritual gift. Not that I have a gift, but I, to impart to you. I want to use my gift. That in I, as I use my gift, it will strengthen you. It will do something for you. Not just for me. It's great. Because he says that in verse 12. He says, that is, that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. So Paul is actually saying, guys, when I come and I come and I, I, I use my gift... And in this case, it may be the gift of teaching and maybe the gift of encouragement. And he says, as I use my gift, I trust this is why we have gifts. Because gifts will be there to build, as we saw. But in this case, it's going to strengthen you. So guess what? Romans, you need me to come to you so that I can strengthen you through my gift. And that as we see that in operation, we're going to be mutually encouraged. As I share my gift with you, you receive what I can give you. And through that, our faith is going to be strengthened and we're going to be encouraged. So guess what? How do we encourage? How do we receive encouragement? We share encouragement. Whatever you sow, you reap. The Bible is interpreting itself. And yet we find that. Paul is saying, guys, come on. I want to strengthen you. I want to help you. And so therefore, just simply a spiritual gift is a specific deed activated by faith that aims to strengthen faith in someone else. So you want to define a gift? I'll just look at the particular gifts because I think they're more than just what the Bible talks about, by the way, in any case. It's not about the name of the gift. It's what, the gift, what it's the root or the foundation of the gift and what does it accomplish. If the basis of it, I come with my gift and I want to, I want to do it in faith. Lord God, I don't want to let myself be seen. When I preach, it's not about, oh, I've got a gift. It's, God, I want to do it in faith. I want to do it in humble dependence upon you. And, and I want it to accomplish faith and strengthening people's faith as I share my gift. And whatever else it may be, if it's my gift of, of showing mercy, I want it act in faith when I show mercy. I don't want to come there and say, oh, well, I'm such a caring person. Look at me. And there's no faith involved because people are just, oh, you're amazing, Vessi. You just always extend mercy. But Vessi is actually the forefront figure. It's not faith that he works from. And as I extend mercy to you because I see you're in trouble, I want your faith to be strengthened, not my name to be exalted. So if that happens where I come in my own strength and I come for my own benefit, it's not a spiritual gift. It's a selfish act. So let's not try to become spiritual about things that are not spiritual. 
Let's be real. Paul is saying, I'm coming with a gift to strengthen you so that our faith will be encouraged. Therefore, when you extend, when you act through your gift, it's got to be done from faith to strengthen faith. You see that? Very simple way to just to define what a gift is. Let me give you some examples just in everyday life that are just tabled here for you. You're at an event and someone is just not physically well. And you feel, man, I've heard that God wants to heal people. I read it in the Bible. And, and I, I've often people heard talking about, here we pray and we trust the Lord for healing. Somehow faith stirs in your heart. Say, so, excuse me, it's not a church gathering. It's not a, it's not a home group or something like that. It's just a couple of friends together. And, and you feel like, hey, so-and-so is not well. I've got faith in my heart to, to pray for healing so that God can touch the person, not me look good. Here's a faith suddenly of healing starting because you just responded to a need. And it's not like, oh, I wish Clive was around. So we could just, hey, Clive. <laughs> <It's> just, <laughs> no, us together, we build, we strengthen, we help build. And so we act. And we don't excuse ourselves by saying, oh, I don't have the gift of healing. But in that moment, you feel a stirring to act in that gift. And boom, there you go. Just say, sorry, um, could I just pray for you? It's awkward, hey? It's like uh, everybody's talking about uh, the government and Zimra and, and COVID. And, and, and you know the person is sick. And you just kind of like, I just want to stop this conversation. Nobody's talking about God. But now if I say can I pray? It's going to be like awkward. But you do the thing because you feel stirred in your heart. That's the right thing to do. You say, Guys, I know that we're about to go home now. Could, I mean, so-and-so is not well. I want to pray for her because I, I feel that God promises us that we can trust him for healing. Could you just, just a quick prayer. You don't have to now take, you know, do something strange. We just do it. Boom. Acting in faith producing faith in somebody else's heart and perhaps healing. Imagine you, you talk to someone who's discouraged or depressed. How many of you can testify to that, that there's happening around us? You listen to their story, and then you step out in faith to bring encouragement to them or perhaps to show mercy for what they're going through. You're acting in faith in like, man, I hear their story, and I, and I can't just, well, bless you, and I'm going to go home now. You just feel, ah, how to do something about this. And I can't get them to just come to a meeting on a Sunday and, and, and then, you know, the need is now. And I'm there. I'm there. You there. You're like, man, I want encourage. And you feel like just something out of nowhere coming up and you want to encourage. And it doesn't have to be a, you know, big explanation of scripture it's just suddenly you feel to encourage it's so simple guys another example is you hear of someone who's seriously battling financially you, you pray for them and then you also ask God that if he wants you to do something to alleviate their problem practically that he may do so through the gift of being generous sometimes we become somebody else's answer to prayer uh-huh God, or you become your own answer to pray. God, I pray for my friend. They're really going through a financial struggle, and 
I pray, God, that you will help them. God says, I want to help them. Thank you, Jesus, you want to help them. Jesus says, why don't you just give away 500, whatever. Um, Jesus, I pray that you'll help them. Just bless them. Father, yeah, just uh, thank you that you will help them. Uh, what, 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 me? <laughs> Maybe can I just, Lord, I pray that Clive, Clive, I think he's got a lot of money, Lord. Maybe he can, you know, you can speak to him. Please speak to Clive. <laughs> no, it's in that moment that you just feel, man, I got to do something. And the gift operates through you. The gift of being generous. Huh. You're all excited about that one, eh? <laughs> I actually made 500 RTTS, which is like, oh, yeah, I can give that away. <laughs> no, it's the principle of us just being available Imagine you know a friend who's battling temptation, struggling to resist certain things. And in that moment, you say, God, I, I want to give some wisdom. And as Clive explained last week about the word of wisdom, he said, God, please give me a word of wisdom to just perhaps there's a practical thing that they need to do. It could be as simple as throw away your laptop. I'll catch it. <laughs> no, um, it's just that there's something that sometimes it's simple wisdom like that. He just feel like, man, I just feel to share this with you, Alec, that, and you're not the person and whatever. You know, it's just using an example. But maybe there's just some practical, some advice I can give you, wisdom that's from above, and boom, the gift is in operation. Guys, you see how in faith can stir somebody else's faith if we start looking beyond ourselves? Because we are so stuck on our own little world. Shall I say that again? We're so stuck in our own little world. Isn't it? And the gifts are there for mutual encouragement. And we shouldn't be uninformed and ignorant of the gifts. Such a beautiful, beautiful thing what Scripture teaches us about these things. And it says to us that we need to earnestly desire the spiritual gift. Corinthians 14.1 and 1 Corinthians 14 verse 12 says, Strive to excel in these things. It's kind of like, man... I don't, want to, I don't want to stop entrusting God. If, if we as elders, obviously in, in, in dependence upon the Holy Spirit, can discuss these things together and see this in operation, not just on a Sunday morning. And it's beautiful to see it when people come and they want to encourage you. And maybe there's someone that comes up and says, I just feel that there's somebody here with a back problem. I feel God says, I want to heal you. And man, they're just the body is encouraged because it's done in faith. And, but even if we go from here, you think of each other because this is a community of believers that are out there to see each other grow. You're part of it. You're responsible with the leadership to see that happen. Amen. Another portion of Scripture that we just quickly need to look at in terms of laying this foundation is, is 1 Peter chapter 4. And during our prayer time this morning, um, Sid grabbed it from me almost. Said, that's my verse. Said, no, no, it's, it's for all us to us to share. Um, he, he led us in a prayer time from this portion, which is really great. In, in, in 1 Peter 4, um, Peter's writing, he says, in verse 8, he says, above all, all these things, and he's talking about the end things and whatever else, he says, guys, keep on loving one another earnestly. Just some practical advice. The context of the gifts always need to be within the, 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 the presence of love for one another. Come on, guys. 
The, the gifts are not to display someone. The gifts are there to put the Holy Spirit in prominent position so that people's faith can be stirred. And it can only happen when pride is out of the way and love is present. Because one of the things that, that, that ruins the gifts is pride. When I come in, whoa, this morning. Um, I don't want to mock anything. I just want to say so often the gifts become a look at me kind of thing. The gift is him so that you can be encouraged. Him so that you can be encouraged. And that happens through us loving one another. So he says here, Peter, Peter further on, he says, Since love covers a multitude of sin. He says, show hospitality to one another without grumbling. Oh, God, please help us in that one. Help us to have our hearts open, not just our homes, without grumbling. Uh, you never warned me. You just arrived. <laughs> Are you guys laughing? It's, like, it's real. It's yeah. It says in verse 10, as each has received, because we know that's what Clive helped us last week, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. So he says there's grace that needs to be stewarded, and it happens through the gifts. So no one deserves to receive any goodness from God. And so when we look at people and they're, oh, they don't deserve some encouragement or whatever. No, we ought to be stewards of grace. We've received grace. Freely we've received. Freely we give. So gifts are an operation and, and, and effective when we love one another and we say, I've never deserved grace. And so when I extend grace to you, it's just because my God is so good. And I'm going to look beyond you and perhaps that's why it says love covers a multitude of sin. Even if you've wronged me, I'm going to extend grace towards you. And when I can let a gift of God operate through me, man, I'll be the happiest person ever because you will be strengthened. So this is what Peter encourages us to. We disperse grace through operating in the gifts. And it can be vocal or practical. It says here, whoever speaks, in verse 11, as one who speaks oracles of God. Whoever serves, as one who serves by the strength that God supplies. In order, this is where this is all going. In order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. This is the point. Ultimately, the gifts are about the body being encouraged and strengthened. So that God, so that God, so that God will be glorified. And not man. And not we become, yo, it's amazing. You got to get to that guy because that gift is in his life or her life. And just kind of rally around the gift, but not that giver. Forget about the giver, which is God. We become more important or more uh, focused on the gift in operation through the person. And that's one thing we've got to avoid. We have to. We have to. It's not me. It's not a gift up here or a gift amongst us. That is the focus. It's Jesus Christ. He needs to be glorified through all. And God says, I'm a jealous God. I will not share my glory with anyone. He's a gracious God. And he would even do the most amazing things through the strangers of people like us. But at the end of the day, it's him that should get the glory. None of us. So that's just the foundation, again, of these gifts. And I want to just, in closing, 
and not in any, case, any way undervalue these gifts that I want to talk about. But unless we have the foundation and consistently we will do this and help you understand the basis, the foundation, the motivation, the behind, the why behind the gifts, it is about Him. It's about doing it unselfishly. So the two gifts that I would like for us to focus on from 1 Corinthians 12, and it's part of, in a sense, these vocal gifts or utterance gifts, and uh, we're not going to have um, time to go to more than two. We'll take it week by week and, and slowly progress and, and help us to not be ignorant. The two gifts are tongues and interpretation of tongues. All right, so now you all become awake again. Hey! <laughs> We're going to talk about tongues and interpretation of tongues. Because in 1 Corinthians 12, Paul talks about these gifts. And he says in, in verses um, 10, when he, when he um, highlights all these gifts, he says about this gift, particularly in verse 10, to another, the working of miracles, which we will focus on, to another, prophecy, which is also a vocal gift, to another, the ability to distinguish between spirits, that's what we spoke about last week, and to another, various kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. So they go together. And so here we have two notions. When, it, when we talk about tongues, we, we have what we found in the first introduction of tongues when the Holy Spirit came upon the disciples in Acts chapter 2. We find that they started speaking in tongues, languages, human languages that, that was, able, was able to be understood by the people around them. They were saying praises to God not knowing that they were actually saying it, but other people could, could understand that. You read about that in Acts 2, from about 8 to 11 verses. And so there's that, that idea that tongues can be a language that, that somebody speaks without the ability to speak that language by themselves, um, and others can understand it. I've heard testimony of that when people would come in front of a foreign language people group, and God would just give them supernaturally the ability to speak in, whether it's Shona or in the Bele or whatever, language unknown to them, and they would speak that. Um, and so we have that idea or that, that definite notion in the Bible. But what we find as a gift more often is the second one, which is the idea that it's an ability to speak a heavenly language made possible through the supernatural enablement of the Holy Spirit that has various purposes. And, and this gift can have a purpose to stir people and encourage them and strengthen their faith. But most of the time it seems that this is the only gift that actually is more for the individual and their walk with God. So it's one of the gifts, okay? Just understand it. So when we understand why it is used and, and for what purpose, we read, particularly in 1 Corinthians 14, that it is a language that people can use to speak to God and not to man. So it's a heavenly language that we, we don't know what we're saying, but we're actually just speaking to God, and it, and it builds us spiritually, as 1 Corinthians 14 verse 4 says. It says, the one who speaks in the tongue builds up himself, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. And so we see this notion that, that to speak in a heavenly language like that is not to impress or to make a spectacle, but it's to actually build oneself up before God. It's also there in verse 14, it says, uh, For if I pray in a tongue, 
My spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. So sometimes when, and when people pray in the spirit, they do not know what they're praying, but they feel that God's stirring them to pray things that their mind cannot understand. And in faith, they're praying things beyond their human understanding. So the, the, the gift of a tongue is, is something that we can use to help us in our prayer life. Uh, Paul writes about this. He says, when you're weak, the Spirit comes and He helps you in your weakness to pray out um, prayers that your mind cannot understand. And you just, God, I, I pray in the Spirit and, and I trust that you are doing something remarkable. It, it, it's also something that we can use to sing praises or to pray praises to the Lord. It says in verse 15, what am I to do? I will pray with my spirit, but I will pray with my mind also. I will sing praise with my spirit. But I will sing with my mind also. We sang with our minds earlier on, but as we pray in the Spirit and you have the gift of tongues, then, then you also can sing in that heavenly language. And, and it's just singing praises to God. It's actually just exalting Him. It's such a beautiful thing. It also says that um, not only can it help us to sing praises to God, it helps us to, to give thanks to God. In, in verse 16 it says, Otherwise, if you give thanks with your spirit, how can anyone in the position of an outsider say amen to your thanksgiving when he does not know what you're saying? So Paul is saying, guys, when you, when you give thanks in the spirit, when, when, when in your heavenly language you're praying, there's a possibility that you're thanking God even. Others don't know it because they can't say amen to it. That's why there's a beautiful thing there that we can say amen when we understand what others are praying. Um, just be in agreement with them. But when you pray in the Spirit and you're singing in the Spirit, sometimes you're praying, sometimes you're singing. Uh, others don't know what you're doing, but it's not wrong. It's just a beautiful way to express ourselves before the Lord. So tongues is a wonderful thing that helps us to engage with God. But tongues without interpretation is, is really only there to build the actual person speaking it, not others. As I said, it's the only gift that is there to be used for the person themselves. Paul gives us practical advice about this in 1 Corinthians 14 and verse 27. He says, guys, um, if anyone speak in a tongue, let there be only two or, or at most three. This is now a public gathering. And each in turn, and, and let someone interpret. But if there's no one to interpret, let each of them keep silent in church and speak to himself and to God. So then that one kicks in of, this is actually just a language that you use that you communicate with God. But if it is something that you feel God wants to speak to the church and it's a public moment that somebody comes and they publicly speak this language and it doesn't make sense, it sounds gibberish, God can then use somebody else or that person. Paul actually says, you must be ready to be the interpreter for what God has spoken. And then God can use that to edify, as we said, the, the gift can then be there to strengthen somebody else's faith. Paul is very clear. If it's spoken in public and somebody feels that this is something that God wants to say to everybody, there needs to be an interpretation. If it's spoken in public and there's no interpretation, then the guy actually with, that came with the tongue should just have to continue speaking to God. It's not for public. But when it is spoken in public, there should be an interpretation. Ultimately, the church can receive benefit from it and be strengthened. And that's what we read here in chapter 14 when we talk about the interpretation of this. He says, now I want, verse 5, chapter 14. Are you all with me? All right. He says, now I want you all to speak in tongues, but even more to prophesy. 
The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless someone interprets. So it's not Paul is saying the one is better. He just prefers it when people prophesy because he says people understand. But he says when you do speak in tongues, somebody has to interpret. So that the church may, there it comes through again. You see that? Firstly, if it's just a personal thing, the individual is built up. When it's a public thing, interpretation should come so that the church can be built up. That's why there's got to be a little bit of order. We don't just, everybody comes and shouts a tongue from the front and, and they go sit and we carry on. No, no, no. Biblically says not more than two or three so that this doesn't become too much. Because it is a thing that's, that has to be controlled. Otherwise, it just creates chaos. Because everybody just wants to say something from the front and it's in tongues. And, and the tongue is a beautiful gift. But it firstly is there for the individual to be built up. And then when it is done publicly, it should be done not more than two or three with an interpretation so that the body can be strengthened. And so that's the beauty of this gift. We need to understand that these things are there so that the body is built. And when we read finally in verses 39 of chapter 14, it says, So my brothers earnestly desire to prophesy, and we'll speak about that still, and do not forbid speaking in tongues. Do not forbid it. If guys want to, during their worship, sing out and speak in tongues, and, and that's their heavenly language that they want to express their love for God through, that's fine. Do not forbid it. But when it comes to a public moment where somebody wants to use the microphone, for instance, and, and use that gift to lay out something that God would have an interpretation for, it says, don't more than two or three, and then it says here in verse 40, but all things should be done decently and in order so that God will be honored, um, honored and glorified. So the gift of tongues is a beautiful thing. What the charismatic movement, the charismatic movement is a movement of churches that it was kind of started in around the 60s, 70s. And as people became more aware of the charismata, which is the gifts um, of the Spirit, and that was beautiful and still is, uh, but again, in anything, there's always going to be these extremes, isn't it? And, and so I grew up in that context. I got saved in that environment where we did have quite a number of extremes. And, and, but we had the beautiful operation of God's gifts. I'll just a quick story. Um, no, no, I don't have time. We, we would just see the beauty of that, but we would have some strange things. And often what happens then is people kick the baby out with the bathwater and they say, ah, oh, we don't want this at all. Um, we, we're a little bit skeptical of this. There's something beautiful about the gifts and particularly the tongue. That it's something that is built, that is given to build ourselves and we can engage God. But that doesn't mean that everybody should have it. There's no scripture in the Bible that says everybody has to speak in tongues. It's a gift that we all can desire. The Bible says earnestly desire these spiritual gifts. And if you've never received that gift, desire it. It's nothing wrong. But if you've never received it, don't feel condemned either. And don't walk around with condemnation because some charismatic believers have begun so um, focused, to be focused on this gift that they said if you don't have the gifts, of tongues, then you're not filled with the Spirit, which is an absolute lie, unfortunately. That's not biblically correct. 
most people and many people, not most, but many people when they receive the, the gift of the Spirit, they often receive tongues. But many people don't either also. So does that make us incomplete if we can't speak in tongues? Nothing like that. It is a beautiful gift. It is there to have a certain focus and a purpose. But if you don't have it, it doesn't mean that you are less of a spiritual believer. Wonderful to desire this gift. I can speak in tongues. And I, I use it in my own personal devotion and walk with Jesus. And there are times when he would stir you in a public moment to speak in tongues with the interpretation. But it's not something that we elevate another person above the others at all. And we should never. And so I want to just make sure that you understand the beauty of this gift. And again, bring it in line with what we've spoken. The foundation of gifts. Why they are there. They're there for us to operate in faith and to stir faith. And so when you have this gift or not, remember... God wants to use us all in various ways. And he can use us beyond just a gift like this. So I hope that helps. I want to encourage you. It's nothing wrong to keep on trusting for this gift if you can't, if you haven't received it yet. If you have received it, use it wisely in your personal devotion with God. And in gatherings where I know it's awkward, it takes a lot of faith. People that come up here and, and speak in a gibberish thing and, oh, what's that? Amazing. We, I remember a guy from our church where we were. He could come up and speak in, in, in this heavenly language, and it, it sounds just like perfect Hebrew. Beautiful. Beautiful. I couldn't understand, but it sounded like a Hebrew person speaking. I remember praying for a guy in the Czech Republic once. He asked, he said, please pray for me. I want to receive. Oh, no, no, actually, we didn't. We were just praying together. We were standing. One of the leaders in the church... And he spoke in, in English. He didn't know what he was saying. The language that he had, his heavenly language, was English with an American accent. I'm telling you, it's kind of like strange. I could understand the words that he was saying. He had no idea what he was saying. Nothing. I still see him today. And he has no understanding of English. I'm telling you, I promise you. But the language that he speaks is English. So that's, that's an amazing thing. But most of the time, it's a, it's a language that, that very few people understand. And God knows. And so this is the beauty of the gifts. Is that don't try to rationalize them out. This one is particularly one that people have rationalized. And, and they can't rationalize. It's not working. Boom, kick it out. Don't do that. And as we carry on in our journey through the gifts, make sure that we don't kick things out. Okay. Keep on receiving. 